0: What is up, everyone? We are recording another episode of Unpeeling Syracuse Basketball, in Noon's Magician production. My co-host Bobby and I are going to break down the week of Syracuse Basketball, including its loss in the Foul Fest down in Chapel Hill, uh, the thumping of a horrible Wake Forest team, talking some news, some NCAA tournament project- projections. Uh, we'll also talk about the ACC tournament a little bit and look forward at the Virginia game. So without further ado, let's talk Orange.
1: Up the shot it's too long and Syracuse is your national
0: champion what is up everyone we are recording an episode of on peeling Syracuse basketball I'm Dylan Finer and I'm here with my co-host Bobby Manning what is up Bobby
1: hello I think we're good Dylan I think we're good we're going dancing we're going to the tournament it's official at this point isn't it
0: yeah, hopefully uh, we can save that for certain uh, this season and have a stress-free selection Sunday after There's the past ha- few uh, miserable years, right? There's never been
1: a more celebratory win over a 4-12 and team.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah, that, that was uh, the Wake Forest game. I went to Fagan's for that one for our Syracuse crowd uh, that's been up here, and it was kind of a cool vibe. It was a little quieter, um, and I really... You know, it was like the perfect feel for the Wake Forest game. No one really cares. Everybody's just hanging o'clock. out. Yeah, it was a 12 o'clock game. That's right. And everybody's just hanging out. I was having a cup of coffee watching it. So mm. like, it was, uh, it was a nice environment. Yeah, I feel
1: good about that game. A l- really good performance for the Orange. And not only does it just visually look good. It moved the Orange up to 31 in the Ken Palm ratings, and I think they got a boost in the net ratings as well, James pointed out this morning. So, I mean, the game was against a terrible team, but all those factors, Ken Palm, net, like that takes your competition into effect. Uh, Wake Forest was a 191 net team, and if you lose that game, you're screwed. You had another Q3 loss. They didn't seem like there was a lot to gain out of that loss, but I think they played so well in that game on both ends of the floor that it actually did boost some in uh, the important factors heading into the tournament.
0: Right. It's always good that, you know, sometimes these are the types of games and other people have written about this uh, over the course of the season, that Syracuse is just taking care of business. I mean, with the yeah. exception of the Georgia Tech game, Syracuse is really taking care of business this season against the bad teams. You talk about a 25 point win over Wake Forest and like you're like, whatever, it's Wake Forest. But that's exactly what you're supposed to do. In past seasons, you might see Syracuse edges one out. Let's just say 73-70. And you kind of walk away from this game, like pulling at your collar saying man, where are we going? Uh, and that's the
1: criticism you would have of this team as you talk about their NCAA tournament candidacy. Like, are they able to take care of the teams that they should because they lose to Georgia Tech early on, Old Dominion, UConn, Oregon, those teams. Uh, if we're talking recency bias, and we always go back and forth about like whether that's a thing when the tournament decides it, you look at the last month or two, Syracuse is taking care of the teams that they should have. There hasn't yeah. been a lot of stinkers since. You know, right. Beat Pitt twice, beat BC twice. Those games matters. And that, for that matter, those road games are Q2 wins, which are, you
0: know, something. Right. All right. So before we um, dive deep into these games, uh, I mean, of course, we could brush up on the tournament stuff, too. Is there anything in the news that you want to touch on?
1: News. Nothing straight. I mean, last week we had a lot of news. So I think it's fine that we we had a bit of a quiet week. It was just basketball being played. Uh, Jim right. Bayheim did have a funny comment about the tournament location in Charlotte because they were playing in Winston-Salem, of course. Yeah, and yeah. they asked him about uh, the move from Brooklyn to uh, Win they're playing in Charlotte this year. Yeah, that's kind of strange because none of the teams are in there. But uh, he, he he had to address those Greensboro comments again that he made a couple of years ago. <laughs> and, you know, he walked back real quick on those. He was like, you know, I didn't mean it. I meant to say, like, the fans don't like coming down. They like New York better, blah, blah, blah. And then I, I don't know why he said it, but he was like, you know, I went out to eat last night in Winston-Salem and I went to an amazing Italian restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so
0: just doing his... Uh... Doing the South some justice, uh, trying to make up for the for the fans that probably felt dissed with his Greensboro comments, right? The,
1: the comment was so great. He said he doesn't go out, so it doesn't really matter where they play. And I don't know, the stuff he was just pulling was hilarious. I don't know really how he addressed the Greensboro stuff, especially the Winston Salem part. But you know, I was I was dying at that comment. That was a good one from Jim.
0: Something, yeah. Something not to be overlooked is uh, the sanitation reports, and this was kind of a big deal when it came out but I feel like no one's paid attention to it since. Um, ESPN did a uh, research study on the sanitation levels and the health risks of certain uh, professional stadiums. And uh, I mean, just just as a fair warning to the folks that are heading down to this ACC tournament, uh, What what stadium is this?
1: This is the Charlotte Hornets Stadium. I want to. say. Yeah,
0: I don't I don't know what the name of it is. I'll look it up really fast. But this stadium ranked towards the bottom, uh, like as in the most dangerous, the most unhealthy stadium. So careful with their food, guys.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm not a big concessions guy anyway. I think it's overpriced. I think it's garbage. You know, the Carrier Dome, I hate to say it, I love it, but the concessions are just horrific. You know, they might be clean, they might be sanitary in there, but it's uh, not worth it, and you know you get a beer in there it's like have you ever gotten a beer in the dome it's like a like sippy cup of beer and you know yeah the
0: the plastic cup yeah it's kind of like a <laughs> it's like a typical like party scene but yeah definitely the carrier dome isn't like conducive to you know like i mean i guess like it is conducive to heavy beer drinking because all you need is a sporting event for that but it isn't like uh i guess
1: it's one of the few uh, ncaa stadiums that serves beer in general so we shouldn't complain in that sense
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, I was at MSG a lot uh, when I was in New York City this past fall, um, and the beer garden at uh, at the Garden is it's it's a nice treat, you know. Like, I mean, obviously it's so expensive, but uh, you get you get a nice tasty beer in there. You get a different selection. Can try something out each game, um, and some stuff that like you wouldn't get normally, like at just bars and stuff. Uh, really? Their selection's pretty decent. So, yeah, you um, want to move beyond the Bud and Coors light. I feel like yeah. we're uh, I feel like
1: we're the main podcast right
0: now. <laughs> yeah, right. We're uh, we're Syracuse sports make me this, drink. Sh- this is shout our, out. This is our beer detour. <laughs> yeah. Shout out, uh, John and Dan. Uh, Dan's actually in Syracuse this weekend, so maybe uh, we'll get to catch up with him. Uh, see if I see if I could find him. Maybe we'll track him down. Awesome. So yeah.
1: Syracuse is going to the tournament, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, at least in my opinion, like I think that we're pretty safe. I like. I mean, barring All right, like there's the 3% that it doesn't happen where Syracuse loses to Virginia, loses to Clemson, loses its first round of the ACC tournament. And then maybe there's a bunch of bid stealers in the uh, smaller conference games, you know? Mm -hmm. But that's probably the only scenario.
1: So I did see a bid steal alert out in the Mountain West, right? That's where Nevada plays because Utah State's creeping up on them and they beat them. They don't have a conference tournament out there? Not 100% sure, because some of these conferences do have tournaments. But I'm saying even if they do have a conference tournament, like Utah State could obviously beat Nevada, and Nevada should be a shoe-in team. So that's a spot there. But you're going to have to have multiple of those. And here's my thing. I've been saying this, that John and Dan didn't like this take, but – I'm sticking by it. The The bubble's horrific this year. I watch over the weekend because a lot of games are going on midday during the Wake Forest game, and Indiana knocked off Michigan State. Now, Indiana has barely won any games in the conference that they play in out there, and they've been horrific since non-conference play, and they finally knock off Michigan State and get that big win of theirs. They hadn't won in forever. And all of a sudden, they're back on the bubble. I mean, they've just played a terrible conference slate. They... Do not have a good record. They're talking about in the post-game show, you know, the, turn- the t- committee's going to have to ignore this team's record because it's so bad. And if I'm looking at Indiana right now, uh, they are a losing team in conference, 15-14 and 14 overall, 48th in the Ken Palm. That's the kind of team that's on the bubble right now. And meanwhile, Syracuse is 10-6 and six in conference, huge win over Duke. I don't think anybody on the bubble can beat that win. And they've added another one in Louisville. Now, Louisville's sliding, but... At the same time, Old Dominion has moved up from Q3 to Q2. So, I mean, this
0: resume just looks right. good to me.
1: And then, yeah, of course, they can add on to it with uh, two quartile one games left.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, comparatively to the teams that, like, are, you know, that are being looked at as on the bubble right now, the Indianas, the Oklahomas, stuff like that, oh, they're teams all so that are— bad. Yeah, they're, they're below 500. Their resumes are bad. I don't know if they're bad teams. And, yeah. and also, that kind of gets into the point. Seth Davis, who writes for The Athletic and does a phenomenal job, he's got a great must-read recap. I don't mean to sell you guys on The Athletic here, but um, he does a must-read recap, and he starts it off with a narrative. And his narrative this past week, or maybe the week before, was teams under 500 in conference play should not make the NCAA tournament because – you kind of then take away if you're you can't possibly effectively weigh um, teams in that range against teams in uh, smaller conferences that have fantastic seasons, such as a Wofford. If Wofford, I mean Wofford's actually pretty uh pretty firmly in right now. Yeah. But uh, who's another team is What's like happening? uh yeah. So – or a Furman who was in the top 25 at one point this season. Yeah,
1: State's been pretty good. Buffalo is still a top 25 team. Right. So
0: so he he proposed that, like, teams that go below 500 in conference play shouldn't be able to make the tournament. And, I mean, Syracuse kind of like the the way that we've been uh, the past couple years. I don't know if we would appreciate this rule because it might end up hitting us in the butt one time. But I like it in principle, you know. I like the idea that, you know – give these other teams a shot to prove what they could be at their best?
1: Yeah, and it's tricky in a year like this because the, you've expanded the tournament field. So there has to be a certain amount of teams in at this point, point. 68 right now, right? So it, there's probably just going to be like, you know, the last four are just going to be some shoein' teams. Like, oh, geez, we got to add four more, just throw them in. So on a year like this where like the entire NCAA field just feels down, and I don't know what it is. It's the Miami's not getting any recruits. It's these other teams like Missouri not restocking after Porter leaves. Like the whole entire NCAA field this year just seems like they just you know forgot to load up their teams this year. So it's still a great year to be Syracuse, I think, and they've taken advantage of a lower half of the ACC that hasn't been as good. I think you could group the ACC in because. You know, Lenardi's still saying there's going to be nine teams out of the ACC, just like last year. Does the ACC feel as good as it was last year?
0: Um, No, I don't think so.
1: Like, Clemson's going to get in. The dude. top
0: of the ACC is as good as ever, but not the middle of the ACC.
1: Yeah, and so if we're looking at these bottom three teams in the ACC, that's Sarah. Oh, and is. the bottom.
0: The bottom has really sunk itself out this season.
1: Yeah, we thought Pittsburgh was going to be pretty good. That didn't turn out so well.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. And same with Notre Dame was going to be better before the injury of Rex Fluger. Yeah. Georgia Tech shouldn't have been this bad, I didn't think. And uh, who else are we forgetting? I mean, Wake is Wake. so Yeah,
1: so they've been terrible
0: at defense. Uh,
1: UNC has been phenomenal since they ended this conference i want to talk about that game real quick because it was a mess for the orange they, they light up 93 points they competed i thought but that was another chance for this team to get a marquee win now here's what we're talking about with syracuse just to wrap up this ncaa tournament talk they're they're certainly in i think the question is like are they in play to like be a national championship contender like they were talking about before the season i think those are two different discussions here
0: uh so do you, you want to have that discussion now yeah I uh, yeah all right uh are we a national title contender uh no yeah not in, so, not in my opinion that, i mean that, are, that leads ahead. me
1: into the unc game because these are the games where are like syracuse could just shut it down like th- that's not even the discussion if they make the tournament they haven't been able to win these games really this year look at their q1 wins they got the duke one sure but, Ohio but that was State, without Tyus. I mean, yeah, uh, Trey, Trey Jones, Jones and Cam Reddish. Mm-hmm. So, you know, put an asterisk on that game, maybe. Ohio State, that win doesn't feel as great anymore. And Louisville no. has just slid down the mountain since they lost yeah. to Syracuse. So, like, who has this team beaten? Because they're going to run into a UNC type team come tournament time.
0: Yeah, the best of Syracuse's wins this season aren't comparable to past. Syracuse teams, even. Uh, Syracuse, like, I mean, yes, you got the Duke win, which kind of makes everything feel okay. But, like, at this point, I mean, and so in context of this UNC game, Syracuse was leading at halftime. And, but you kind of had Syracuse playing its best possible basketball. and still only leading by three, you
1: another, know? Yeah, it was another first half where I thought they were just methodical. It really mir- mirrored the Duke game in a lot of ways, the way they played the first half versus the second half.
0: Yeah, I was i was going to say, I was about to say for this game, Syracuse played its A first half and then maybe a C second half, and I think I said that same exact thing for the Duke game.
1: Yeah, so battle set a tone, Chuku was involved, Brissett was getting into the lanes and such, stealing balls, forcing turnovers. And then, you know, you hold some of these guys down to games way below what you would expect from them. Nessie or Little, I didn't see a lot from him in that game. Uh, Luke May was not the 30-point Luke May. He was the 9-point Luke May. And so you do your job on the defensive end— where you lose this one is offensive rebounds, and I don't know what was going on with the rebounding game in the second half. It was like the Duke game where they lost by 11 rebounds in the second half, and then the free throw game. Now, a lot of people want to say they lose lost this game at the free throw line, like just outright. Like UNC yeah. got so many more free throws. They hit 92% of them. That was the game.
0: All right, wait, 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 wait. This game was so long ago, or it feels so long ago now that I, I... – Forgot we didn't have this discussion. Um, Get out of my lawn with these or get off my lawn. Get out of my lawn. Get off my lawn with the complaining about the referees. You're going to tell me that the referees are the reason why Syracuse lost this game? No. Syracuse, the the foul discrepancy was because Syracuse wasn't attacking the basket. You want foul calls? Go get to the rim. And that's what you saw for a period in the second half when Syracuse was aggressive in getting to the rim. Yes, the refs weren't making great calls, and they were inconsistent for a majority of it. However, Syracuse did nothing to help itself. In getting to the free throw line, so you see the 37 free throw attempts for UNC and the 23 free throw attempts for Syracuse, a difference of 14. But who was doing more of their work in the paint? It was UNC. Who was being more aggressive off the dribble? It was UNC, right? Yeah. You with me here or not? Nah?
1: Yeah, and I agree. I don't, I just don't. Th- I think there was a lot that happened on the court that decided this game as well. I, start first and for- foremost with White. I mean, White hit six threes, was Dynamite getting to the basket, 34 points, and he had 10 of those at the line. So, you know, there's certainly free throw factors across the board in their performances. Even Little, 11 points, had seven at the line. So this team up and down was getting to the free throw line. Massive discrepancy in how these two teams hit them. So, you know, I think free throw shooting is always a factor in the game. I just never come out and say, like, oh, the game was a free throw shooting contest, so, you know... Syracuse didn't get there. They didn't make them. UNC did. That's the game. No, UNC dominated the rebounding game in the second half. I mean, a plus 10 offensive rebounding discrepancy. They had players scoring from the field, and they were passing
0: methodically. Plus plus 10, bro. We're talking plus 21. And in the second half alone, it was 27 to 11. Yeah. rebound, rebound margin. So
1: that's a big one, too, and I gets you to the free throw line.
0: 27 to 11 to, total rebounds in the second half.
1: Are you worried about Syracuse's rebounding game? Because they lost yeah. the rebounding the to wake too.
0: Yeah, of course I am. I mean, Syracuse, I, yeah, it's it's the age-old saying uh, that you can't rebound out of the zone. However, this team is the tallest team in the country, or one of. Um, I, are we still the tallest team in the country? When,
1: um, when Dojai and Chuk were out there together, yeah.
0: Okay, so this team is one of the tallest teams in the country, and it has ridiculous difficulties rebounding. Uh, so I, I don't know what the issue is. I, maybe uh, maybe i got to go back and watch some of it. Is Are people turning around and stopping and staring at the basketball, or is no one finding a body?
1: Well, I know in the Duke game in particular, bigs clear the guys out, and then a lot of these guards have to come in and make the plays. So, you know, it's falling on Hughes, it's falling on Battle, it's falling on Howard. Those are the guys who have to do the rebounding work for this team. Chuku has not had those 10 rebound games
0: of late. Right, well, I mean, what has Chuku done of <laughs> Sorry, that was mean. He did play Pascal. well against
1: Wake, and everybody did. So yeah. anyway, let's let <laughs> move on to the better game. Wake was just a beatdown, a drubbing, and this blew my mind. They didn't allow a field goal from, I think, the 19-minute mark to the 5-minute mark in the second half. That's just the, the the kind of defensive clinic this was for Syracuse against Wake.
0: Yeah, I mean, Wake also like can't really score. So, I mean, who is Wake's leading scorer? Is it uh, Brown? Yeah. Or he he was for the game, but who is their leading scorer overall? Do you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I didn't do much research on Wake because they stink so bad.
1: Don't know. kid don't know off the top of my head. I know yeah. who looked like their best was um, Isaiah Musias. Yeah, dude.
0: They they can't do anything offensively. They just they don't really like have any go to weapons. It was kind of like they gotta just pray that they're knocking down their three pointers against the zone uh, to force us to step out and then hopefully beat us on the interior once we stepped out. Um, but they
1: this were, was they were horrible in the turnover game too.
0: Yeah, and they, even when. Even when they turned us over, uh, like when we made mistakes, Wake wasn't capitalizing. Like I I saw the one play, I think uh, uh, it was a Brissette or a Buddy Beheim turnover. I can't remember which. And then Wake goes down the court and tries to lob an alley-oop and then missed it. And it was like, all right, that just epitomizes who Wake Forest is. Like 14 out of 15. ACC tournament or ACC teams finish that 10 out of 10 times you know what I mean all 14 teams finish that play and get two points off of that wake will find a way to screw it up
1: and they're still somehow better than Notre Dame and Pittsburgh
0: yeah how. <laughs> And that's that's so bizarre, man. I don't who have they beaten? But whatever. Let's let's focus on Syracuse. Yeah, I'm I'm getting too far away.
1: Brilliant in this game. And O'Shea started it off. He was only three and nine in the game, but I put him in my takeaways because he looked so good in those opening minutes. He set a tone. Right. I you, you I know you saw the play where he caught that ball from Hughes, took the one dribble to find that space, and then finished. That was his third bucket of the game, and he didn't have another one after that. But yeah, I thought it was a great game from him. Hughes Remember we were talking about Hughes. They figured him out. I think he's back now.
0: Yeah, it's like Elijah Hughes read that piece that uh, that we were writing. He heard the critics, and I know the D.O. put up, uh, put out an article too. I think it was Matthew Gutierrez, shout out um, about Elijah Hughes and. Uh, and his uh, being scouted on just his shooting, ju- being scouted as just a shooter, and you know he he answered against Wake Forest. We'll see if he can do he can continue this against some better defenses. But uh, but yeah, he looked great off the bounce.
1: And that's the thing. He was cutting. He was getting dunks on alley oops. He was you know using his gravity on the three-point line to draw guys into him and then get by them he even right. had some assists he had two assists in this game so he was getting into the lane and finding guys too i think he found uh brissette for an early finish yeah that one i just mentioned
0: and the Chuku lob too
1: uh, the Chuku lob was the one i was thinking about he got right into the high post and then flipped it over the guys into chukwu's hands and they've been looking right. for that play more often Chuku goes four for four in this game nine points that's that's a good game from Chuku.
0: I think they started both games off. Wake and UNC. I think they both started off with Chuku lobs on drives. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Maybe that's a well, watch out for that against UVA. Chuk- what to watch
1: for? And Chuku had some good finishes in this game too. One of them, he was like getting bodied by two guys and he flipped it up and in with for the and one. So I, it's a plus game for him. Beheim had some good stuff to say about him. Uh, that's now two straight games of twenty points for Tyus Battle, and he's on the edge of the top fifteen all the time for Q scoring. Mm-hmm. So um, th- this game was just great all around for everybody. Buddy looked good. Yeah, the zone looked phenomenal.
0: I'm not sure how actually. So I mean, maybe the one little stretch I tweeted about this—the uh, one little stretch that Buddy had uh, tainted the image of this game of him in my mind. I don't even know if those words made sense. <laughs> but, uh, I like I just remember this one sequence. I think he turned it over. He he tried pump faking and then driving, and I think he turned it over. And then when he was getting back on defense, he kind of made this like lazy swipe at the ball, and the defender just went right by him, like one of those fake hustle plays, you know. And then the defender went by him, and then Syracuse did a good job. They stopped them on the defensive end, uh, like and made them reset their offense. And then Buddy, like... Got caught closing out too hard on someone, and the defender went right by him on a pump fake go by, scored a basket, and I was like, oh wow, that was an ugly sequence yeah, for buddy.
1: I one of those early on too, along with three turnovers. So it wasn't the best yeah. game in the world from the bench. Uh, Jalen Carey didn't get play as
0: you uh, mentioned. <laughs> yeah, that was that was so tough to watch. I I was sitting there, and I think there was about like maybe eight minutes left, and I'm like, oh gosh, we're up by 20. Can we please just get Jalen Carey in this game? And then you know like just two minutes later he gets into the game and then what does he do he like turned it over once had a really ugly like chuck uh, like up to the backboard it looked like uh one of those things that everybody gets mad at O'Shea Brissett for when he drives recklessly at the rim and then just throws it at the backboard yeah um he had another one of those I feel bad for him like he's sitting on the bench for 90 minutes and then getting plugged into play and then getting judged the
1: walk-ons at the end
0: (laughs) yeah so I don't know man like Shout out to Jalen Carey for being. Uh, lots of shout outs today. <laughs> shout out to Jalen Carey for being um, tough. Hang in there, my man. Uh, keys are yours next year. Uh, you hope so. Let's let him
1: hang in. We'll see yeah, what happens. The sorry,
0: sorry, this game didn't go how you'd expect it to go. It might be his last, you know, meeting, not meaningful because they were meeting lists, but. It might be his last uh, couple minutes this season, you know? Like Yeah, we're you starting... never
1: know. An injury happens, and he's in there. That's the thing. Yeah, true, so true, gotta true. He's got to stay ready. So, uh, yeah, one, Brayden one, Bayer. Man. One, yeah, <laughs> the, I mean, it really is the Bayer situation. If one guy goes down, he's the guy. So, you know, he's got to stay ready. That's the thing.
0: Slight upgrade from Brayden Bayer, though.
1: Hey, Bayer had a nice, nice <laughs> run in that Michigan State game.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, a,
1: he, had, he forced a jump ball at the end of
0: that game. Yeah, I'll he dove on the floor. Ball. He dove on the floor. Dude, I remember getting so pumped for that. That was awesome. I hope Brayden Bear is doing well. He transferred somewhere, didn't he? Yeah, he went to –
1: I don't know where he went. But, yeah, he's doing that sit-out transfer year. Um, And so we move on to Virginia, the number one team in the ACC right now as far as tiebreakers go because they got the triple tiebreaker at the top. Or, no, Duke's a game behind. So it's North Carolina and Virginia at the top. And Virginia is storming into the Carrier Dome Monday night. I'm sure you have tickets, Dylan.
0: Uh, I do not have tickets, ah. but I, I'll just go pick them up at the. I'll get my student tickets. It's the last home game of my uh, yeah, Syracuse day career. Yeah,
1: student tickets for uh, Pascal Chuk- Chukwu. You don't want to miss that.
0: Yeah, and Frank Howard. Don't forget about oh, yeah. Frank. Uh, um,
1: yeah. Who know? I don't know what uh, either of them are going to do after this year, but it doesn't seem like they're going to be back with Syracuse. So, right. wish them well after that game, and right. uh, you wish Syracuse well in this game. So. They've lost two straight to Virginia. I know this because I went to both of those games. Um, Well, last year was on the road. They played well, and they blew it after that. And then two years ago, I want to say they scored 44 points against them. Mm -hmm. Um, So it hasn't gone well against Virginia in recent memory for this team. But, I mean, a low-possession, defensive grind-out game seems like it would at least uh, work in Syracuse's favor to at least compete.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Sir, uh, Virginia's won six in a row. They're rolling, uh, as you'd expect. Um, but here's the thing. So you hear every – like everyone is saying it. This this Virginia team is different. And I'm here to tell you they're not wrong. <laughs> uh, they're fourth in adjusted offensive efficiency. That's really? A, that's a Ken Palm stat. They're, they're one fourth? of Fourth. They're one of two teams – to be the top five of both adjusted offense and adjusted defense. And then for those of you who might not like this whole adjusted offensive efficiency measure, it's basically just adjusted to your schedule, like based on your competition of teams you're playing, how does your offense rank or how does your defense rank? They're in the top five of both measures. Well, so with
1: DeAndre Hunter back, that actually isn't stunning because we all knew how important he was to them. He goes down and then they lose round one in the tournament.
0: Right, so this, this game, you know, it's going to be interesting because Virginia is going to make Syracuse play with one arm tied behind its back, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. Because DeAndre Hunter, I mean, I, I don't know if it's Ty Jerome or DeAndre Hunter, I think that DeAndre Hunter would make more sense from a Virginia perspective to guard Tyus battle, you know, because if you take Tyus battle out of the game, Syracuse is definitely... Uh, not as good of a team. Like, we know that. That's a fact. And then um, Diakite, I don't, I don't want to try on his first name, uh, he matches up really well with O'Shea Brissett. So you're going to have two, two of Syracuse's best offensive threats being guarded by very capable defenders. Athletic, matched up well size-wise, really good defenders. So someone's going to need to step up for Syracuse if they want to hang in this game.
1: Yeah, and going against that defense, and there's not a better one in the sport, you wonder how they're going to keep up as far as the offense goes. Because we know they can stick in it defensively. They'll be able to stay a couple possessions behind. But will they be able to get that boost? There's so few possessions in the game. And, you know, we know that they don't play as well offensively at home. Like, they lock in for those road games like we saw at UNC, and they score 80-something points. Wake Forest, another example, great road performance offensively. They're just not as good at home, so that doesn't go in their favor either. I just I don't see them winning this game anyway.
0: No, I can't. I can't figure that they win this game. Um, I think I just submitted my prediction for the game. I think I've got Syracuse losing by 12. I think I predicted them to score just 59 points, something in that territory. I I don't see how Syracuse, you know, like obviously we hope for it, but I don't see how Syracuse is going to come through. Whoa, no, no way. Is this right? No, this can't be right. Okay, no, it's not. I think Syracuse is a seven-point underdog. So I had it at 12, so I guess I'm taking Virginia with that line.
1: This is amazing, too. Virginia's the fifth-best three-point shooting team in the country, and they're the best defending the three-point line. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a 14-point discrepancy there.
0: Tony Bennett's going to have his guys ready. That's no question. Um, this is a Virginia team that's locked in. They're not going to slip up. I can't see a way that Syracuse wins. You know who's the X Factor here is Marek Dolezal. Yeah. And I—so— um, him at the center position, I know that, you know, we gotta hope that he gets extended run at the center position for this to matter. However, uh he's the biggest matchup that Syracuse is gonna have, or biggest mismatch, I'm sorry. Because you got Brissett or DK is gonna guard Brissett. Uh Guy will probably guard Frank Howard, but Frank hasn't been doing much for us anyway. Mm-hmm. Tyus will be guarded, Tyus and Elijah will be guarded by Ty Jerome and uh DeAndre Hunter. And Marek Dolezal is going to have a bigger center on him that isn't as athletic or quick. So I think that Syracuse could really benefit from putting Dolajai on the They're floor. they
1: need to, because what is Chukwu doing there, really? Like, he can't possess the ball. They're going to need a lot of movement. It, it, this is a hard team to navigate. And you know what? I think tomorrow might really show visually just how good Virginia is, because Hughes could hang with Duke. Hughes could hang with UNC. This team just plays a little bit differently. It's so like methodical the way they control the game possession by possession. I mean, Qs might score in the forties again. Like that is certainly possible.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm not looking forward to this game. And then if you do, you want to preview Clemson or do you want to talk again before that we'll Clemson game? We'll talk again game?
1: before that one. I mean, I they're going to be in play for the tournament. Q's took care of them before, but they're certainly the middle ground in the conference. So you know, they could be better at home. It is certainly going to count as a Q1 game, which is huge for Q's if they're able to handle them the same way. But uh, we'll get into a deeper preview of them after Virginia.
0: Yeah, so that that Clemson game's on the road. So Syracuse closing out here, just two games left. Um, and, you know, that's that'll wrap it up before the ACC conference uh, tournament. Um, so, oh, uh Quick notes here just to finish up. uh, Unrelated to game material, um, Andre Jackson, uh, Syracuse recruit, who I, Donna DeToda wrote a piece about her, or about him, excuse me. And it really, the quote she got uh, really made it sound like, Andre Jackson has his mind made up and already wants to come to Syracuse. It's just a matter of you know, kind of waiting. He doesn't want to force it too early. Yeah, that that type of thing. But he's he's in stores this weekend. Um, stores Connecticut for UConn, making an official visit. Uh, so I mean, hold your breath the next couple weeks, I guess. Not UConn. that I think that. UConn. Not that, I think, that I, I think he'll commit there
1: in the building. I
0: mean, really yeah, do. I mean they had a Ray Allen retirement ceremony. I'm a little plugged into uconn because i yeah you know my girlfriend goes there and i i watch them uh ray allen retirement ceremony they actually had two four stars and a five star there this Jesus. weekend so like is uconn back on the map pick a little up, bit Q's, yeah we it don't need on the recruiting trail yeah um, so <laughs> we don't need to talk
1: about acc tournament we'll talk about that next time the standings as we get a little more clarity there it's real tight in the standings but uh for now i think we got a nice wrap there of the week
0: yeah for sure uh, so that'll do it thank you folks for tuning in to this episode of Unpeeling Syracuse Basketball I'm Dylan Finer at defines 31 my co-host is Bobby Manning at Real Bob Manning on Twitter Bobby sorry about your Celtics nah. uh, if you're a Celtics fan uh, this has been a tough couple of weeks for you Bobby will keep you plugged over there though on that end uh, as well um, Bobby got any last words I'll
1: focus on cues for now over that team <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah that's been ugly all right guys take care uh follow the blog on twitter at noons magician as well um thank you again for tuning in and let's go orange all Right.